It's so good to come together as the body of Christ. And, you know, I'm just so thankful for this church family. I'm thankful for each of you. I'm just glad that we're here together. See, there's something powerful about being together. Whether you're at at home together as a family, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're on the main floor, it's vital that we challenge and encourage and watch out and pray for one another because we're the body of Christ, not the person, but it's the body that makes it so much better. You know, online, I want to just say thank you for continuing to check in. You know, Michael and and, uh, Miranda, I saw that you're joining with us. Claudia, thank you for joining with us. And uh, I want to encourage those who are online to make sure that you're engaged in this moment. And for those sitting here, that you're engaged in this moment as we open the Word of God. Because it is so easy in today's society to just kind of just go through life and, and things just kind of fly by and we just kind of go along and like check box, went to church. God seldom works in a heart where you're just checking a box. And I want him to work in your life just like he's worked in my life and in so many others. You know, today's message is a very personal message to me. Because it it hits me in two ways. Last week, Chris said that God uses unlikely people in unlikely places. And I went, yep, that's me. I was just a little boy growing up and at Preacher's Home down in Council Grove, just about 40, 50 miles away, when I remember when one of the ladies in the church stopped me in the hallway and said, are you going to grow up to be a preacher like your daddy? And it was like a little demon came out of me. No. (laughs) And that was my answer for years is no, no, no. Did you hear me? No. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> Look where I am today. You know, I'm so thankful, though. It was, it was my fear. It was my insecurity. It was my concern of what might happen, what might go wrong. And I just wanted to honestly, selfishly live for me. And I realized that as I lived for him, it changed everything. And that's what I hope that as we end out this series, you're going to hear God's message for you. And you're going to say, okay. Because I sure don't regret saying okay. Your okay could change everything about the direction of your life. You know, this one is also a very personal one. I mean, here's why. You know, I'm a dad of three beautiful young ladies. A dad of three daughters. And it's a unique thing that I have so enjoyed seeing them become the women of God that God has called them to be. You know, and we're going to look at a person in the Bible named Deborah. And she was an unlikely person because she was a she in a very Hebrew male-dominated time in history and culture. And this was just unheard of. And and so if not careful, we can divide on something and we can all of a sudden put individual cultures or people or ethnicities or, or financial capability into their category. And you know, as a dad of three girls, I wanted them to grow up to be all that God wanted them to be. 
And it's just awesome to see them flourishing and coming into their own life as a follower of God. And so, ladies, I'm excited to use a powerful example in the Old Testament, and I hope that her life and her heart challenges you to be who God called you to be as well. We're going to finish out the series with two more examples in this series of clarity, and we're going to focus in on guys and men. I'm going to call you out. We're going to push in pretty hard on, on where we have been AWOL often in society. We've run to where it's easy just because it's easy, and we've left what is more important, and there's been a lot of consequence in society. Well, let's jump in today. You know, the setting in Israel is one in which there's a lot of ups and downs. And in the early days, God used a couple of incredible leaders like Moses and Joshua. And a lot of stuff went along pretty well. But there was this kind of, after them, an unraveling. And it just kind of blew apart. Judges chapter 2, it says, after that generation died... Another generation grew up, and boy, do we see this cycle throughout history. They didn't acknowledge the Lord. They didn't remember the mighty things that had been done. And they kind of started to live for themselves. See, the Jews had entered the promised land, and, and they had done so under the leadership of Joshua, and they march in, and so much has finally come to be. And then they let their guard down and they start to do life for themselves. And this, this, uh, this cycle of, of just ugliness started to happen. See, it looks kind of like this. I mean, God does something incredible. We start to sin and, and it leads into a position of slavery, a, a fallenness to sin. And, and then there's this supplication where the people of God go, I don't like this. Please help me. And, and then he shows up and then we enter the cycle all over again. That's the story of the Old Testament. And it's the story of our society. It's the story of your life and of my life. I want to challenge you to just be honest in where you are in this place because we've all sinned. We absolutely all become enslaved to that if not careful. And we want to choose our Lord and we need to cry out for help and then he brings salvation. But you got to be careful or you jump right back into the crazy cycle. I want to stay more in this place of supplication where I just say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Today, guess what? God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. And that's a good place to be. Well, each time God ended up delivering them back in this Old Testament, let me go back to with a leader, and they called him Judges. So let's pick this up in Judges chapter 2. It says, then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Now, you might be thinking courtroom judge puts on a robe and declares innocent or guilty. And actually, the, the judge at this time, as you look in the Old Testament, was more of uh, next to a king, a precursor to where there was a, a political, a spiritual, and a military leadership that came with who they were as an individual. They had three judges early on that we don't know much about. Othniel, uh, I got to look back. Ehud and Shamgar, three names that didn't take on too much. I haven't heard any. Here's my new baby, Shamgar. You know, and uh, if you want a unique name, I mean, we're in a generation of them. You can look those up. Uh, but we just don't know much about them. And then on comes the scene, 
such an unlikely individual. Off the pages jumps from the Bible this woman named Deborah. In this male-dominated culture, I mean, women couldn't testify in court. They were often seen as property almost. It was not a good time. And yet she led the country and delivered the Israelites from the Canaanites. And so here's a simple definition of leadership that I want you to understand. Because some people will say, well, I'm not a leader. Uh, Okay, you might not have the gift of leadership, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But who in here doesn't have influence? You may influence one person, it may be 10 people, it may be 100, it may be hundreds, it may be thousands. You might influence a nation, I don't know. But we all have influence. Now, here's the thing about influence. I'm not giving you a Christian definition yet, because influence can be for evil and it can be for good. And so when it comes down to it now, how is your influence being used in today's society? I hope that as you look at your life and as you read about it and you pull it apart, you can go, wow, I see how God is shining out in my life. Because here's the bottom line for today. Uh, It's your influence on others depends upon God's influence on you. This is when Christian leadership comes in, when faithful influence comes in, where the body of Christ should reign. And I want to ask you to say this out loud with me. And I know this is not the first service. You should have had time for your coffee. I want those who are home to put your cup down for a second. If you're eating your breakfast, stop. I want everybody to say this out loud with me because I'm going to drive this into your heart today. And if you join with me the first time, we won't have to do it a second time. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Your influence on others depends on God's influence on you. So the more he speaks into you, the more he begins to work in your heart, the more he begins to separate the good from the bad in you, the more that you're able to reflect his love, his kindness, his goodness, and you're able to influence others for the kingdom. Let's look at Deborah. She was a gifted leader. She was one that God gave a gift of leadership to, and he brought her into a position. Now, Let me challenge you, and I know when it comes to giftings, we all have giftings. You might have a gift of hospitality. You might have a gift of leadership. You might have the gift of giving. You might have, now let me just stop. Should we all be hospitable even if you don't have the gift? Yeah. Do we all have a calling to give whether we have a gift of giving or not? Yeah. So when it comes to gifts, oh, I don't have a gift of leadership, so I can just sit down now. No, 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 no. We all are called to influence others. And so God empowered her in a unique way. And don't be buried in the little hallway as a little boy going, yeah, listen to God and just see what he might say for you. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who judged Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Now, she did not fall into this position because of her heritage. She didn't fall into it because of her family and that she was this king-raised daughter as a princess and everything just is shoved upon her. Just God raised her up specifically for this time. 
Now, verse 4 said that she was a prophetess. Now, sometimes we get the mindset, people go, oh, a prophet is in someone who foretold the future. Well, that did occur at times, but a prophet more often than not was someone who spoke for God and about God. And he de- they would declare the truths of God to the people of God. And so it was a truth speaker. So not only was she a recognized leader of Israel, she was also a home wife. Hey, I, she, she had a husband. She had a family. She, and, and so here she is. She's one busy woman. The country is coming to her, and she has family. Now, Deborah was a leader, but what made it really sticky was the time and culture in which she lived. It can be hard sometimes for ladies to know their, uh, how do they have influence, and how does society see them, and That's today, but back then, it was beyond what we could even imagine. And here's the thing. Sometimes when people look at the Bible or they talk about the Bible, you know, the Bible is just really down on women. Uh, You didn't read the same Bible that I read. You got to look at the culture and then find out how did God interact? How did Jesus interact? The truth is the Bible elevates women tremendously. And so ladies, please hold on for this a moment. Let me just give you just a quick few little thoughts that I just wrote down real quickly here. You know, the Bible elevated in that Jesus committed one of the biggest cultural taboos when he talked to a Samaritan woman at a well. Not only was she a woman, which that would not be a normal thing, men would not speak to, would not recognize, because that was given almost a position of power to, that you would acknowledge them. She was a Samaritan in which they were very prejudiced at this point. They were considered dogs by the Israelites. And he spoke to a Samaritan woman at a well. Not only that, he, com- he actually commended and defended a, a-, a woman who the-, the disciples were looking down on as she anointed his feet with oil. He builds her up and says, this will be spoke about for all kinds of generations from now. He was a friend with Mary and Martha and also Mary Magdalene. He, you know, the very first eyewitnesses of the resurrection, that's a pretty important thing that happened in the Bible were women. Women couldn't even testify in court at this point. And yet God used them at that spot to be the eyewitnesses. Philip, an early leader in the church, had four daughters, all with the gift of prophecy. Far from denouncing the influence of ladies, the Bible upholds the value. Now here at UCC, you know, I I challenge men to step up and be men. I challenge them to be followers of God, and we're going to press into that for two weeks. Of course I want men to be spiritual leaders. The Bible hones in on that. Outside of the position of an elder in the church, every position in the church, from serving to leadership to ministry leaders to the stewardship team, they're all open to men and women in every position. We've ordained ladies into ministry, and I've seen them go out and make such a difference in this world as well. You know, when it comes to this church and most churches, the ministry of the church would grind to a halt if it wasn't for the ladies. Amen, guys? We'd be in trouble if it was all left up to us. I'd be scared what would happen in my house without my wife. That'd be bad. I wouldn't survive real well. She'll admit to that. She's like, Barry couldn't survive without me. And it's true. And so when it comes down to it, Ladies, you play an vital role. And and I know that some of you ladies, I want to speak to you right now. You have been pushed into the sole spiritual leader in your home. 
God didn't design you to have to do that, but you've had to fulfill that because someone else did not. And I'm sorry for that. I want to challenge you to be the best spiritual leader that you can and fulfill that to ensure that the next generation continues to see God and have that opportunity. I commend you for filling a void when sometimes, guys, we've run from the calling that God has given us because it's easier to run to work. It's easier to run to a hobby then it ends to press in to what matters most. We're going to see Deborah where she stepped up to lead in the absence and in a fear of a guy. The key again here is your influence on others depends upon God's influence on you. Your influence can be good, it could be bad. Let him influence you. So not only was she gifted as a leader, Deborah also was willing to step up and serve. She was willing to serve others. You know, that is a key difference in biblical leadership and secular leadership. Secular leadership is how to get ahead, how to control, how to lead others, how to get your way, how to make a... Biblical leadership is about putting others before yourself often. It's a servant leader combined of this heart of humility. And you're going to see that unfold in her story. You know, it says in verse 6, one day she sent for Barak and she said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory, emphasis, the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. That's another sermon for another day. She's not referring to herself. Uh, Go look up the story of Jael. She's one tough gal. And uh, um, quick note, never sleep in a tent with a strange woman. You might get a tent peg in your head. And so, uh, so Deborah went to uh, Barak to Kadesh. That's where we come here. Deborah didn't, Deborah didn't demand authority. She didn't demand titles. She, she actually was very supportive of the troops and of the commanders. In fact, she says, my heart is with the commanders of Israel, with those who volunteered for war, praise the Lord. She's not power hungry. She's not saying, I, she just went along and said, okay, Barak, you're scared to go. I'll go with you and God is going to get the glory. Hmm. She was gifted to lead. She was willing to serve. But most importantly is this third point. Deborah was faithful to God. You'll go no farther as a Christian leader than this one point. Are you willing to be faithful to God? You know, at every turn, she didn't say, this is what I am going to do. This is who I am that I'm going to bring She said, it's the Lord's victory. The Lord will deliver. The Lord will. And I'm so thankful for that, just willingness to be faithful. One of the most unlikeliest of people being used in this unlikely time. And the success came because of God. 
Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. The Lord is marching ahead of you. And the battle was won, and that's not the point of the story. The point is of Deborah having a gift of leadership, being willing to serve, and then being faithful to God and seeing how he worked in and through her life. Ladies, that's a pretty good recipe for success. Say, God, where have you gifted me? I'm willing to step up and serve in that capacity. And along the way, I'm going to be faithful no matter what. See, God can use anyone. Men, women, young, old. Your influence is going to be determined more by God's influence on you than anything else. You might say, well, I don't speak well. Well, I'm not that attractive or I I don't have the natural gifts or I don't come from a family of wealth and influence and money. Well, I don't have the right degrees. I don't have the right initials after my name. I don't have a voice. And this is just a woman who was willing to sit under a tree and be faithful and she changed the direction of a country. So let me come back one more time And I want to make this personal as you look at it. My influence on others depends upon God's influence on me. So I want to land this in a very important, vital place. A time of introspection on my life. And I'm going to ask you to join me in that tender moment. How much influence does God have on your life? Let's get down into the nitty gritty on this. Are you spending time in his word? More than time in the news? Are you spending time in prayer saying, God, I need you in supplication? Or are you just spending time texting and messaging and emailing and talking and not listening to him? Are you in accountability relationships where you're in a life group or some sort of small group where people are speaking into you truths and you're allowing God to use them to form you and to shape you and to even point out sin in your life that needs addressed? Is your life being held like this loosely or is it like this? held tightly back God mine or is it here you go because if you can look at those things honestly and you can allow him to shine in and to influence and to be a loud voice in your life things can start to change 
See, this time in our world and our society, we're, we're desperate for the people of God to stand up. We're desperate for people to be an influence and to make a difference. Too many of us are sitting back. The war is coming down. The storms are raging. And if not careful, the people of God are hiding back behind and we're not, we're not stepping out. And I want to challenge you to be the people of God, not because of how great you are, but because of how great he is. Dear Lord, we come before you, the almighty God of the universe, and we know that you are faithful. And God, I'm scared, and I'm stubborn, and I'm proud, and I fight you at times, and Lord, I pray for forgiveness, and I ask that the people of God join me in that. And Lord, we just cry out there right now that you would make yourself known and that you would be great, that we would be smaller and smaller, as John the Baptist said, and that you would make yourself known through us. Oh Lord, would your influence rage within me? Would you stir up a passion within some young believer, some believer who's been down the road, and that they would hear your voice and they'd step out and that the storm would begin to calm around them because your voice has become greater and this world has become quieter. God, we thank you. We praise you for being so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to go 